there are two readings this evening. Uh, you'll find them on pages 7 and 8 of your zines. Uh, the first is from Exodus and the second is from Galatians. Uh, so I'll commence on page 7. Uh, in the book of Exodus, chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And turn to page 8 of your zines. Uh, specifically, uh, letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, 
watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew. So we should just, um, you know, say it and uh, come to terms with it. The word circumcision will be said a lot tonight. Just, you know, let it soak in. It's awkward, I know. You just embrace it. In fact, this is the last sermon on it. And you might think, well, why? I came to church, I wanted to hear, you know, and then you hear about circumcision, and you're like, this is nuts, you know. Um, <laughs> I did not mean that. I did not mean that. Is that um, no, this is not taped, is it? Please. <laughs> oh, dear, my own son is here. Okay, here we go. Um, this is the last sermon where circumcision gets mentioned a lot. I mean, it, sorry, it comes up at the very end, at the end of chapter 6. Uh, but for the next two chapters, Paul genuinely explores what freedom uh, looks like uh, in the life of a believer where we're neither coerced uh, into obeying God nor let go to not obey God. It's a really lovely dynamic uh, that a person who's come to Christ experiences. Uh, so this is the last awkward sermon in the series. Hope the rest are challenging though. Should be good. See how we go. Spoke to a guy, 10, 15, 60 year old man. He came to me and he said, Oh, he brought me, I was in tears this morning, Dustin. I said, Did grace touch you too? He said, No, all the stuff about circumcision. <laughs> anyway, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, the Son has set us free indeed, and so make us free in our hearts. Show us the freedom we have uh, and what it means for our lives in the power of your Spirit. Amen. So we're talking about freedom, as has been said so far. Freedom, of course, is a very simple idea. Profound. Freedom means that you are able to be or to choose without being coerced or constrained. To be able to be and to choose without being coerced or constrained. Constrained, and everybody loves it. Freedom, it's a universal good. And yet, you've got to scratch below the surface a little bit to truly understand freedom. Uh, people sort of hold it up and yell it out, you know, and we're all supposed to understand exactly what it means. But you know, scratch below the surface of real life, and we're all coerced in many ways. For example, when we drive a car, we're coerced in some senses to obey the law. I know that when I'm coming up the Anzac Bridge from the city and I swing around that corner onto the bridge, and it really should be 70, right? You all know it's true. But it's actually 60, and, you know, I turn around the corner, and there's always that cop there. And I'm sort of glad he's there because, you know, I... Can someone explain what that is? I don't know what that is. We'll leave it. <laughs> We're coerced by the law when we drive. We're also constrained, for example, by our bodies. And anybody who tells otherwise is living in fantasy land. Here's another thing. When hardened criminals in a prison, when they start to yell freedom, we get out the guns. We don't want, you know, we don't want them free from the jails. Or when, for example, Hitler asks for Liebenstrom. You know, we mass our armies. So you can't just yell freedom as a sort of shibboleth, a password, and expect everybody to rally around our cause. So we've got to dig a little bit deeper, get a bit more nuanced. 
In the Christian message or gospel, it means something specific. Built on the Exodus narrative, I will free you from the Egyptians, I will redeem you by my outstretched arm. Built on that narrative, our freedom is experienced in the heart first and in communities second for the sake of a city that doesn't know God. And I want to explore that this evening. So the Apostle Paul scribed these famous words in 50 AD to churches in Galatia, that's ancient Turkey, and he starts our passage today in chapter 5, verse 1. Look at it with me, 5, verse 1, just a few words. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He wrote those words in large letters and with his own hand. You know that from chapter 6, verse 11. I think the words have some exasperation in them. It's for freedom, for goodness sake, that Christ has set us free. Like the whole book of Galatians, there's some urgency in it. Like something like, you were given the best thing ever and you're in danger of throwing it all away. Why would you do that? Or Christ has removed the shackles and you're asking for the key so you can lock yourself back up again. That's stupid, you see. Or Christ got you out of the quicksand and you want to jump back into the muck. Or... You've been freed from Egypt. Why do you want to go back again? Can you see that? It's such an interesting sentence, chapter 5, verse 1a, worth meditating on. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Assumes a number of things. Number one, it assumes that Christ has set us free and that I would not be liberated if he had not set me free. And it assumes that he freed me for a purpose Namely, for freedom. It's for liberty that Christ has liberated you. Raises so many questions, doesn't it? Like, well, what does it all mean? What is freedom anyway? How are you freed for freedom? And how does Jesus Christ do the liberating? And what does it mean for my life now? Does it mean, as the Rolling Stones once famously sang, I'm free to do what I want any old time. Google that if you're under 50. I'm free to do what I want any old time, so love me, hold me. That's Mick Jagger. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Or what are the alternatives? It's for slavery that Christ has set us free, or it's for drudgery that Christ has set us free. It's for rules and regulations and structure and religion that Christ has set us free. They're alternatives. Ask a Sydney side of what he thinks a Christian is and they may say a person who's tied to a set of beliefs or a person who's submitted to an old book, a person constricted by the rules they didn't make up. In fact, they wouldn't put the constriction on themselves if they had the choice. The verbs are powerful, aren't they? A person constrained by church culture, a person addicted to feeling guilty all of the time. Now, you put it like that. Most sane people don't want this uh, life, of course, precisely because they want to be free. And yet for most followers of Jesus, they will be able to say, I have been freed. And they'll, be able, they'll perhaps be able to put some language on that. Charles Wesley put some language in the 18th century to his sort of moment of freedom. He writes this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. 
poetry. Not all of you will get it, by the way, not because it's poetry. I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm saying it's going to be, it might be hard for some of you to get because you're like, what does he mean? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. That's me, right? In my sin, um, in my dungeon. But, Christ, thine eye diffused a quickening ray, it's the work of the Spirit. I woke the dungeon flame with light. It's a metaphor, right? My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. <laughs> or the words of Martin Luther King Jr. come to mind, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Christians might say that, they will say that. So what does Paul say to us then, if that's you? He says, stand firm then and do not, yourself, do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke, farming metaphors, oxen, yoke of slavery. And for them then it was specific in application. Verse two, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. You let yourselves be circumcised, awkward. You've lost your freedom. <laughs> so two questions that are in your outline on page nine of your zine. Just for expectations, I'm gonna spend almost all my time on question one. So I hand this off to the office and they format it for me and I probably should look closer, but I didn't. So just check your expectations. Number one, why care about something so small? And secondly, what do you then do when the three freedom is threatened? Why care about something so small? It's just a bit of skin, right? In you know, the private regions of a bloke. It's not like it's on view or anything. I mean, you wear clothes. Now, by the way, we're not talking about um, choices parents make when they have sons in hospital. By and large, these days, the hospital won't even circumcise a child. They'll um, you know, have to sort of outsource. You know, it's not like it was many you know, a while ago. But um, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about medical choices that parents of boys make in hospitals. We're talking about religious narratives that come out of the Jewish scriptures. And Paul is going to say, it's not small, it's huge. If you do this under these circumstances, you'll have lost everything. Now, why? Why care about something so small? And then secondly, what do you want to do when the freedom is threatened? Now, more of that next week. This is a two-part sermon. How does the freedom result in a robust, loving, powerful life with God? That's next week. We're going to talk about fruit. So firstly, why care about something so small? Now, I hope you've got it. It's easier if you've been here for a number of weeks, but stay with me if this is your first week. Paul had come to Galatia, ancient Turkey, and he preached to non-Jewish people like me, and he told them the truth, that if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He told them that a person could be right with God, which wouldn't otherwise be true, simply by placing your trust in Jesus Christ, believing a person is justified, right with God, by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. And so they believed. You know, how precious did that grace appear the hour they first believed? We looked at that last week. And he told them uh, that even though the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament said that there were certain things that a person needed to do as a sign of the <coughs> promises of God and the covenant made, the Jewish Torah requirements, they didn't need to follow them. For example, uh, circumcision of your boys, and only your boys, that's very important. That was the primary one. Kosher food laws, no bacon and egg uh, burger. 
bacon and cheese. <laughs> and thirdly, keeping uh, certain holy days. He said that the salvation was free, it was of God and all of grace. And that just liberated people. You know, um, my chains fell off, my heart was free. They rose, went forth and followed thee. But later, some people came in, came in with a subtle change. They came in energetically and zealously, Paul says. And they said something like, you haven't read your Bible correctly. If you read your Bible correctly, and we're talking about the Jewish Old Testament, the Jewish Scriptures, there are sort of things you need to do as markers of your faith. You know, God is your belonging to the, the covenant, because it's what the Bible says. And it's so interesting to me that they concentrated on one, the circumcision of your boys. I mean, there's you know, hundreds of them, but they went, oh, circumcision is the big one. Why? Now, there are various reasons for that um, biblically, but I, I, Paul says it's, a, it's an exercise in control. Chapter 4, they're zealous to win you over, but over to them and against Paul. They're drawing a line in the sand and they're saying, um, you know, Paul came in, he, he spoke a message of grace, but he didn't give you the full picture. So come on, cross the line, line up. There's a little medical clinic over here. They created a hoop and required people to jump through it. And for some strange reason, when you create a hoop and require people to jump through it, people will thank you, love you, and follow you. I don't know what it is about the human psyche. I'll tell you what it is. It's because people say, thank you for telling me the truth about the one thing I needed to do. You know, it's about security of some kind. Now, you could say, well, who cares? Seriously. Firstly, you might say it's Old Testament mumbo-jumbo. You might also say it's just a small thing, a bit of pain if you're an adult bloke. No memory, maybe, if you're a baby. I went to a brisk when I was living in New York. Neighbors were Jewish. Didn't believe it, but, you know, atheist, but did it anyway. The rabbi that came, they Googled him and found him. He was a comedian, which is so interesting. Anyway, there was a bit of tears, but, you know, they wrapped the baby up, and, you know, within seconds, uh, he was asleep. No, no, that's exactly what Paul's opponent said. You know, it's so small. We've still got our faith in Christ. Paul says, you do this under these circumstances and you lose everything. Christ, no value to you at all. None at all. Oil and water. Or how about this verse 10? The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Let him be anathema. He's going to hell for it. That's that important. Or my favorite, verse 12, as for those agitators... I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's in the Bible. You know, the knife didn't take off enough. Why care? <laughs> Why care? And the answer is because of this action, circumcision, under these circumstances, a capitulation to a requirement, a coercion, is a door to something much bigger. It's a door to slavery. It's a door to returning to an old system that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and you're going back to it. Didn't work then. That wasn't the point then. In fact, the bit of flesh then itself was a sign of something else. It was never the point even then. That's why even in the old covenant, it talks about circumcision of the heart. That's what I really want. But because it was being required by these Judaizers, who, these men who'd come up from Jerusalem with all their important you know, hoops to jump through, that bit of flesh to walk into the clinic and have the operation was a symbol that you're rejecting the gospel of grace and therefore rejecting God himself who had sent Jesus Christ 
to fulfill the law. Mark my words, said Paul. I tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised under these circumstances, Christ will be of no value to you at all. But I think it's more than that. It's about resisting coercion. See, Paul was happy to choose to ask Timothy to get circumcised as an adult in Acts chapter 16, verse 3. Let me read it to you. Paul wanted to take Timothy along with him on the journey, so he circumcised him. No doubt there was an agreement. Because of the Jews who lived in that area who weren't Christians yet, for they all knew that his father was a Greek, and they're like, we're not listening to him if he's not Jewish. So, you know, okay, well, let's just, you know, let's, let's put no, no block in the path of anybody coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And you can see how the men from Jerusalem, the Judaizers, would have gone, well, firstly, it's really small, and secondly, you've got to do it, and, um, you know, line up. And thirdly, um, you know, Paul, look, Paul's a hypocrite. I mean, he did it to Timothy. And now he's saying, if you do it, Christ has no value to you. So which is it to be, Paul? Now, you've got to think this through. This is not handed to you on a platter, by the way. Of course, what he means is that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything. Get circumcised, don't get circumcised. It's nothing at all until you coerce me to do it. And then it's everything. For the sake of mission, he was happy to do it, but not for the sake of salvation. See, if God has done the work, if the Spirit has quickened your soul, and if you're choosing to believe, or rather God has done his work in your life, and you're seeing God do his thing in your life, free from guilt, free from the power, the penalty of sin, free from the fear of failure, fear of others, fear of death. If God has done that in your life or continues to do it, work in his will and his way, free from Torah observance, free to love and serve God, free to love and serve others, then surely it must necessarily be true that in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that matters is faith that's expressed or faith expressing itself through love. Happy to circumcise so that others find freedom, refusing to circumcise or be circumcised when someone is requiring it. I think the key to this whole section is verse 9. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. That's, what Paul, that's, why, that's why something so important is so, something small is so important. Because what Paul says, metaphor, it's just a little yeast. I've got yeast in the fridge at home. I've got a little tin. They're like little seeds. Is that right? They're like little seeds. You, like, there's nothing, right? But you put them in dough and the whole thing whoosh, spreads throughout the whole thing. They say, it's just small. It's just a snip. won't take long. It'll hurt for a little while. Paul is saying, yeast, like yeast, tiny, but it'll spread through the whole day in dough. And in this case, it'll be destructive. You'll do it and you'll lose your freedom. You'll lose Christ. Jesus said to those who were free, who, were, who thought they were free, like you and me, whoever sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So true freedom is when Jesus frees you from sin. And he does that by his death and his resurrection. And then by the pouring out of his spirit that awakens fruit in our lives. That's next week. So moved by the love of God in his saving grace, you end up becoming all you're meant to be in Christ. All you were created to be. A bit like a tree, chapter 5, verses 15 and following that bears fruit over time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
self-control against such there is no law. We're not talking about legislation. We're talking about the non-coercive, necessary, transforming activity of God in your life. So we're no longer coerced by religion, but moved by the Spirit. More on that next week. So I do not believe that freedom is, I'm free to do what I want any old time. Thank you, Mick Jagger. In fact, I look at that, I'm free to do what I want any old time, and I'm like, are you a child? So we mature. True freedom is living the way God intended or created you to live, fully human, fully alive, fully loved by God and fully loving in Him. Illustration, a bird is only free when it's doing what it's meant to do, to fly in the sky. Um, That's when we look up and we go, wow, we've got a phrase for it, as free as a bird. But you take that bird, you put it into a cage, and then you pop it 20 meters into the the harbor, unless it's a duck. And you look at that bird caged and underwater, and you say, it's not free. You don't go, look, it's free as a bird. You're like, no, that bird needs to be in the sky. It's created to be in the sky. And conversely, you take a fish and you pop it out of water. It's not free. We had a fish, killer blue. Beautiful little fish, actually. I didn't know they could do this. Did you know they could do this? How often have your fishes done a bid for freedom and actually popped over the lip of its... I, it's amazing, isn't it? I woke up one Sunday morning and I could see, you know, in the corner of my eye what I assumed was a dead cockroach, which I didn't pick up immediately. There's our fish uh, in its bid for freedom. It, you could imagine it could say, if it spoke in English, as it flipped over the rim of its tank, look, I'm free. But it's the path, of course, to death. You and I, we're made for God. That's our flight. That's our swimming. We're not made for Jewish Torah or law. We're made to love and honor and worship and serve the living God and love our neighbors as ourselves. In fact, love our neighbors as Jesus Christ did. And that's when you're a human being fully alive. That's, when, that's what happens when you come to Christ by the fruit-bearing power of the Spirit. We believe and are freed. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. But it can't mean I'm free to do what I want any old time, but rather to choose which burdens I wish to carry. Freedom cannot mean I have no constraints. Freedom means to be able to choose which constraints you will carry. In chapter 6, you'll say, carry each other's burdens. And by the way, it won't be easy. It'll be hard. Well, right here in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You really were. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, meaning to do what you want, but rather to serve one another humbly in love. And that'll hurt. But freedom is not free from constraints, but freedom to choose which constraints you will carry. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, and it's not about circumcision, it's love your neighbor as yourself. And that's where Paul goes next. 
loved by God, saved by Christ, the work of the Spirit alive in your life, uncoerced, you will serve others in love, free at last, free at last, and God Almighty, I'm free at last. So quickly and secondly, what do you do when that freedom is threatened? Perhaps that's the contribution of these 15 verses to Galatians, is a bunch of what to do if the freedom is threatened. And here they are, I'll be brief. Number one, stand firm. This is with respect to your own heart and mind. Standing is a posture of your legs, but it actually comes from the heart. A person whose heart is strong is more able to stand firm. You need to have confidence that you know the gospel, that you know you're loved, confidence in Christ and not in self, not in your own works, not in your own strength, not in your own goodness. I love how to fall from grace in verse four is not, as the media would say, to be a good, upright, perhaps public person who's found to have stuffed up. You hear the media saying that Barnaby Joyce has fallen from grace. He was up here and he fell from grace, stuffed up. No, to fall from grace is rather to be a stuff-up, that's me, who says that they're good enough. You are a bird. And in the gospel, God has given you wings to fly. You're a fish. And in the grace of God, he's put you back in the water, swim. You are saved. And in the work of Christ, he's put you on solid ground, so stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't believe it. Get your heart right. Secondly, resist the pressure with respect to those who seek to control you, verses 2 through 6. This passage, by the way, is not written to clergy to tell them what they're supposed to do or say. This passage is written to lay people. It's written to the churches of Galatia to tell them what to do. You see that, don't you? If I can be a bit cheeky, it's the clergy, the men from Jerusalem who've turned up, they're the ones who've sort of found the pulpit and they're saying, the Bible says, get circumcised. The Old Testament says it, the Jewish scriptures. And Paul says to the people, resist them, right? Um, they're going to hell for perverting the gospel in this way. But what do you have to do? Don't give in to them for a moment. Don't give them a voice. Me, Paul, or an angel from God? Chapter one, don't let them throw you into confusion. If they put a hoop for you to jump through, don't jump through it. Rather become a transforming grace person and don't let anyone take that away from you. And by the way, it's not just, it's not grace that doesn't transform. It's not transformation on the other side by law and coercion. I've seen grace that doesn't transform all the time. You know, you say, um, you know, guys, you guys need to... Um, you know, love more and be selfish less. And someone says, uh, oh, where's the grace, man? Where's the grace, man? Uh, no, we believe in a grace that transforms, but we also do not believe in transformation by law and coercion and guilt, subtle messages. Grace renewal is what we stand for. More on that next week. We're against shibboleths too. Third, stay the course, verses 7 through 12. With res this is with respect to your future plans. This is you into the future. You were running a good race, a marathon. You know, you're pacing yourselves. Someone stuck their foot out with this hoop. 
Who cut in on you and, caught and kept you from obeying the truth? Why did you stumble? John Newton, slave trader, who discovered that he himself was a slave to his sin. Grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen? That's the journey. By the Spirit, through Christ's finished work on the cross, with the power of resurrection hope, you choose love, you choose to serve, you choose to obey. Who, you are running a good race, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. So stay the course, third. Fourth, redirect the freedoms that you have. Because you could say, look, I'm free. It's for self that Christ has set us free, to do what I want any old time. But freedom is not free from constraints. It's free to choose which constraints you will carry or bear, which burdens you will bear. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in this one command. You can write it on the back of a postage stamp. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was what the whole Torah was pointing to in the first place. It was never about that one bit of flesh. If you make it about that one bit of flesh, Paul says in verse 3, you're obligated to obey the whole law. And this is how he exposes the shibboleth nature of the Judaizers. Saying, you know, you can't just go, oh, well, have faith in Christ and just do this one thing, you blokes. He says, you do that, and you've got the whole package, the sacrifices, the temples, the choosing the right clothing and the threads and the, the kosher laws, and you have to have a lot if you're not going to understand the time in which you live. But Jesus, who has fulfilled the Torah, said the entire Torah is filled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love God, love your neighbor. And so loving God and neighbor, you choose to sacrifice self. But you choose to do it. And when you do, you find true freedom. Because that's you as a bird in the sky. It's you as a fish in water. It's you as a creature of God, loving and serving him and his people. Why? For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Not really. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Let's pray. Father, um, many of us know this liberating freedom. We know that we've been freed from our sins. Um, we've experienced the joy of justification. We know that you're present and alive and working in our lives. Some of us don't know the experience um, or we don't live in it. We don't take the time to um, know and love and, and uh, allow your grace to be at work in our lives. We pray that you'll do that tonight. For the Son has set us free and if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. Help us to stand firm then and not uh, be burdened by any one or anything or any thought that would take us away from your grace. We pray this in Christ's name.